1: Welcome in, Browns fans. It's the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We have a fun weekend content edition for you here uh, coming up. Before we get to that, I want to real quick remind you, if you have not seen on my social feed or the OBR, Andrew Barry was on the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays. He did a a quick 15-minute interview. He's a busy guy and uh, gave some things away. He's a really good GM in terms of being able to not say much at all. ...while talking, which is a unique talent. Uh, But there were some things I think you could take away from it. I really liked his quote on quarterback play. You know, quarterback is the most important position in football. We want to make sure that we have an environment that's conducive to that position group... ...producing at a high level because that's how we believe you have sustained success in the NFL. Insightful take there about how the Browns are surrounding their quarterback with talent... ...whether up front, wide receiver, running back to make his life in the early stages of his career as easy as possible because that's what they say making the quarterback's life easy especially early is a way to find sustained success because then as quarterbacks careers wear on it's just a point I've been making of late you have a chance for that quarterback to be the reason that he carries others the reason he carries your entire offense so really like that quote and then another one uh, about data-driven approaches and 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 this was right uh, as he was talking about how the how the Browns approach the draft and how they approach preparations for it, uh, scenarios, which I think it was a fun conversation about how they spend April laying out how all these different things could shake out so that when a situation arrives with Greg Newsom on the board or, or a situation arrives where you can move up for JOK, they've played these things out so many times that it's not any sort of surprise for them. Thought this was really insightful. And he talked about the data driven research. We have this very strong research team and strategy group that we use throughout all of our football operations, no different than in any business. We value data and we value quality data with our decision making, which kind of goes toward what we're going to talk about on Sunday's podcast. Yes, we have two weekend bonus content editions here, uh, which is, uh, I try to do once a month. We have a podcast tomorrow talking about those data driven decisions. Going to talk about some data today, too. Pretty excited about that. Uh, just go to the OBR and there is a page uh, at the front here uh, we, where we talk about Andrew Barry going on the athletic football show and kind of what he said in the link to that podcast. You can find it. You can listen to it. I think it's a good 15-20 minutes. I think they also talked to uh, uh, Packers coverage as well about Aaron Rodgers and the and the and the first part of it before they get to the Andrew Barry interview. But there was a good question about the the data from uh, his, his early career, Andrew Barry, that he never thought could really work its way into his everyday GM life. And he's kind of like, uh, I can't answer that question, man. So I thought that was interesting, especially like GPS data and stuff. I'm sure there's so many things he could say, but he has to walk that tight rope that the guys in the public spectrum do because he doesn't want to give anything away there. So I think Barry is crafted a nice interview-based role where he will go on shows and talk to you about some philosophy things, but he won't give too much away. So worth the listen. It's on the OBR homepage. You can find it there. There's an article on him giving a sneak peek to the Uh, Behind the Scenes in Berea, you can find that podcast there and listen to it if you would like. Before we get to today's show, though, I want to go ahead and talk about a quick Blue Wire initiative. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, the OBR Film Breakdown, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show, and there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know how to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you to do so. I know Brad Ward with All Eyes on Cleveland uses Blue Wire Hustle. It's fantastic stuff. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get your show pushed out on all of the major uh, podcast hosting places such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and many others. And the best part is you can get all of this for just $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your Cleveland Browns, then make your own voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Again, bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box of this episode if you want to find out more. And now to today's show, where we will talk to at Cleve TA, who does fantastic stuff for Sharp Football and the Sharp Angles podcast, where he talks about gambling data. Uh, I think he's one of the smarter guys with this stuff, looking at player odds for MVP, uh, Defense Player of the Year, a bunch of different awards that I think it's really interesting to bring to light, some things that you can bet on uh, for the Browns football season. They're over, under, win total stuff like that. So let's get over to our interview with Cleve TA and learn how to make some money during this football season. Alright, for our weekend bonus content, we are going to talk about sports gambling. We want to make you some money. I want to talk about the Browns a little bit uh, in there, too. Kind of sprinkle in where there could be value for Browns players. If you're interested in watching your team profit and uh, you know watching your, your pockets prosper and your team prosper simultaneously, Mr. Cleve T.A. is the guy to give us that information. How are you, my friend?
0: What's up, Jake? How are you?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. I, w- I want to go through some of these because I think... I think that the thing that if they're listeners to this pod, uh, you know, traditionally have not had a chance to bet on the Browns winning and making money. So it's a kind of an exciting time. They got some players that could uh, that could profit on this thing. We're not going to just talk about Browns. I want to kind of, you know, you know we're going to go through some of these categories. Some are Browns specific, some are not. But, but you know, if we, if we end up touching on some Browns, that's because they have some guys that you could have serious conversations about. We'll get to that. We'll start with win-loss. What where do you see the Browns sitting across most betting platforms, and kind of where are you at on their win loss with this new extra game this year?
0: Yeah, so if you look around, um, they're they're about ten and a half, I think, in most places. Then it it all depends on um, you know the the amount of juice you want to lay for the over mainly. So you know, like on DraftKings, I think they're plus one hundred and five over ten and a half, which means, I guess, in layman's term for anyone out there who's not really. you know, sports betting expert here um, it's the amount of money you have to lay out in order to win a hundred dollars so if it's plus 105 that means um, you bet a hundred you get a 105 back um, if it's minus you know 110 or 120 or something like that that means you have to bet 120 or 110 to win a hundred so that's kind of how the odds work there. But um, so in general, the Browns are about 10 and a half. But depending on the on the sports book you use, they're either, you know, just barely a plus, you know, 105 or 100 or they're like a minus, you know, 110 or 120 in that ballpark. Um, you know, I, I would lean slightly to the over, but I, I think it's to the point with the Browns. And, you know, we've seen it. They're getting a lot of national love. Um, you know, obviously locally we were really excited, really hyped up about what happened last year and the prospects this year, but you know, a lot of national pundits are picking the Browns to uh to be contenders for the Super Bowl as well. So you see that factored in into uh some of these prices uh in the uh, in the betting markets. And so, you know, I wouldn't sit here and say that there's a ton of value in betting the over in the Browns win total. I mean, I think the number is just about right. Um, But I think they're good enough, especially with that extra game that, you know, I think 11 or 12 wins is, is certainly um, in the higher end of probabilities. Now, that that all depends on injuries and all those sorts of things. But, you know, you look at their schedule um, based on current win totals, and that's it's a way that uh, I think is a smart way to really look at strength of schedule. Don't look at last year's figures. Look at what the, the current betting markets are for, for each team and, and apply that to the schedule, and you'll see that the Browns are – the third, they have the third easiest um, schedule in the NFL. Based on that, um, they have a pretty good, what we call a net rest advantage, uh, like eleventh in the NFL, meaning they have more rest versus their opponents in aggregate for the season. So, if a t, if the opponent's coming off a, a Monday night game and you're playing, you know, off of a Sunday game, you know, you get a you get a one. Day rest advantage. You, need, you do that kind of throughout the entire season and the Browns are actually at a positive four. So that's positive for them. They, they have uh, bottom fifth uh, or their bottom five in terms of uh, most travel miles. So they don't have a lot of uh, travel that they have to deal with. They don't have a lot of, um, you know, uh, tough, I guess, tough road trips. They have they're one of the only teams that has three straight uh, home games. During the season, week six to eight, so they have a lot of things going for them. The schedule shouldn't be too difficult. Um, they play two, probably the two worst teams in the NFL, in Houston and Detroit. Uh, so they've got a lot of things I think that are going from the going for them from a scheduling standpoint. We know that the talent is there. They get OBJ back; their entire offense is back, uh, as we know. Um, great offensive line. Uh, defensively, obviously, there's going to be a bunch of new starters, but I think from a talent perspective, they're they're up there um in terms of just at least the top half of the NFL so I think it all kind of you, you mix that all together and I think 11 or 12 win season is um, certainly in the works and with that extra game I think that the 10 and a half you know I would lean over if I had to but it's not a strong play for me.
1: Talk about two and, and and you might have kind of brought this up a little bit but you people look at schedules year to year they talk about those one score games teams that have good fortune in those one score games and and Cleveland's a team that is on that list but that's misleading right can you can you explain to listeners a little bit of why that's misleading for Cleveland
0: yeah so uh, you know what you're talking about is it, you know people have looked at um you know the, the kind of the regression stats so uh, you know the nfl is is really made for most teams to go eight and eight right there's some outliers obviously <laughs> yeah. the really good ones and the really bad ones but in general you know a big chunk of the nfl should be right around 500 and you know it's it's you know whether it be fumble luck or turnover margin or um those sorts of things that kind of lends itself into um how do you do in one score games because in reality um, you really shouldn't be, you should you really shouldn't excel or be really bad at close games. Like it's, it's, it's kind of uh, one of those things where, you know, in general, most teams should be right around 500 and, uh, the Browns last year were uh, seven and two in one score games. And so a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, all right, that's a reason why they should uh, take a step back next year, that they're not going to get that kind of fortunate again, um, to win all those close games. But when you look a little deeper and we know this as Browns fans, we watched all those games, you know, there's there's a couple of cases where they allow teams to score kind of really late um, in, you know, while they're playing prevent um, to turn those, um, you know, maybe a double digit score, uh, double digit game or double digit margin margin into a one score margin. Um, they actually led the NFL it happened three times last year where they allowed the opponent to score a touchdown or a field goal um, with under a minute left to make a double digit margin, a single single score margin. Um, So, you know, and it's like one of those things where, you know, if we consider this kind of a quote unquote luck um, regression stat, that really doesn't tell the story. I mean, uh, especially in the cases, you know, for example, the Titans game or the Eagles game, those are two examples where, you know, they they controlled that entire game and in both cases, but then, you know, they allowed the Titans to score kind of a meaningless touchdown with a few seconds left. Same with the Eagles that really didn't, uh, you know, they really weren't, Threatened to, to to lose those games, and so, you know, you kind of throw those out, and it's not really a seven and two kind of a record in one score games it's, it's closer to 500 so and that doesn't even include the the nick chubb you know kneeling at the one yard line <laughs> against houston yeah. i mean in any other situation uh, he scores that touchdown and instead of uh you know a, a three win a three point uh, close win it's actually a you know a 10 point win so you know you just kind of have to dig a little bit deeper with some of these things and and so um you know i think that's a little bit of a um a misleading indicator and that also you know also, the uh, the point differential issue, you know, they had a negative 11 point differential and it's the only team in the NFL last year with uh, over nine wins to uh, have a negative point differential. And that's another reason why, you know, people say that, uh, you know, what they did last year was a little bit misleading because they they were outscored. You know, they got blown out when they lost and they won a lot of close games. But again, if you take away some of those last second kind of meaningless scores. And you add in a Nick Chubb touchdown, the, uh, you know, with a minute left when he's running free, and those sorts of things, then they really were a positive, um, you know, point differential team. So, I think some of those things take, get taken um, out of context, and you just really have to dig in, you know, dig deep uh, with some of this stuff to see kind of what the true true numbers are. And I think with the Browns, it's a little bit misleading.
2: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: That's great. I mean, you know, that's the context we need. I think people need to understand that uh, because it gets brought up. It gets brought up, and, and, and I understand it. It's, it's folks trying to find those trends, trying to find those patterns, those regressions, but... You have to be careful with Cleveland. That's the insight I was hoping you had. You provided. Let's talk Coach of the Year award. It's usually a narrative award. Seems to go to guys in their first year of a role, or uh, you know, in a bounce back second year. It's tough sledding. I know Stefanski was up there. I've seen some graphics that he's up there, but hard for him to win this award unless the Browns win. For, he's got. They got to win a lot of games, right?
0: Yeah. So I've done some analysis. Um, so for the uh, Sharp Football uh, site. Uh, last year, I talked about uh, Coach of the Year. I posted it on Twitter as well, um, and actually last uh, off season, I listed four or five guys that really fit fit this narrative, you know, fit the uh, filters, and and Stefanski was right up there, um, so it made a lot of sense. So, you know, when you look historically, the last thirteen winners of Coach of the Year have all won ten plus games. Okay, so you obviously have to win double digit games, whether you make the playoffs or not. You've got to at least be in contention. Um, the average uh, preseason win total for those teams was 7.3. Um, so none of them, by the way, had a win total going into the season of 10 or more. So you're not looking for, you know, the coach that wins the most games. That's not who wins coach of the year. Usually it's who makes the biggest leap, who comes kind of either from out of nowhere or, you know, takes a team that wasn't very good last year and improves them enough to to either make the playoffs or, or come really close. Um, so the, so nobody had a, had a win total of at least, um, 10 wins and on average the prior year, uh, that team went six and 10, um, and the average win improvement was 6.2 wins. So you're talking about teams that are kind of in that, um, you know, six to nine, um, win kind of uh, win total expectation, um, that ends up winning double digits. Um, six of the last 13 winners, just like Stefanski were first year head coaches so again narrative based so it's you know who takes a bad team and turns them into at least a double digit win team is really who's going to win this award so you know Stefanski really isn't doesn't fit that obviously going back to back I don't even know if that's happened where a coach of the year has gone back to back Um, the Browns already have high expectations they won 11 games last year they have a win total it's ten doesn't fit at all really Um, so some guys that maybe do fit that narrative. Brandon Staley is like the bullseye, right? So he's a yeah. he's a guy that we know well here in Northeast Ohio, and he's going to a very talented um, team in in the Chargers. And uh, Justin Herbert, uh, obviously a, a really good young quarterback. Um, you know, they they did not make the playoffs last year. They have a um, a win total, I think, of nine right now. So they kind of fit that narrative of a guy that's a first year head coach who. Um, it's taking a team that's, you know, in that kind of seven to nine win category. And, you know, if they can win 11, 12, 13 games, um, it's obviously tough division. But if they can do that, he's obviously right up there. He's he's um, from what I see is the leader um, right now in terms of the award. I think he was like 20 to one as of a few weeks ago. Now he's 13 to one. So he's definitely getting some some sharp money there from uh, from some of the smart people that are doing some of this work. I think Arthur Smith is another another guy yeah. who, who could make sense now, obviously, without Julio Jones. Um, that hurts things, but that actually might help him because now expectations are even lower. Um, and they're a team that has a win total of about seven, seven and a half. They only won four games last year. So he kind of fits that narrative. If, if the, the Falcons can win, you know, 10 games this year, he can definitely um, fit that narrative. And the fact that they're going to be doing it without Julio Jones, I think makes a lot of sense. And then the last one, I, the last guy I think that makes sense, it's a longer shot is Urban Meyer. He's at 28 to one. Um, you're talking about a team that won what one or two games last year. um he's got a rookie quarterback, so they've got that upside. Um, they're only expected to win six games this year. they've got they do have probably the uh, second easiest um, division in the NFL to win. Obviously the Titans added Julio uh, recently, so that's that's gonna make it tougher, but it's not a really difficult division to win. Um, they've got some talent and he's he's one of those guys. he's a big motivator. Uh, no matter what you think of him off the field, I guess and um and whatnot and some of the moves they've made he's he's a strong motivator you might be able to get a year or two of uh, really good um you know team activity out out of the jags and if they can win you know uh surprise and win 10 games uh, he definitely has a shot so those are probably three names i think that make the most sense um based on some of the criteria that i mentioned
1: yeah urban is (laughs) i think we all know (laughs) where it's going but yeah you're right it could be a it could be a two-year flash and before it, 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 like most urban opportunities uh, burns out but there's that early upside so interesting for listeners if they want to get in on that uh defensive player of the year draws my eye, T.A. because you know the Browns have a guy who if he doesn't come down with COVID has a real shot at winning it last year I know it's Aaron Donald's award to lose every year and T.J. Watt continues to mop up a lot of sacks there just simply for rushing from his like wide 12 technique there in Pittsburgh but I mean you think Miles is a real shot what do his odds look like there?
0: Yeah, so he's right behind Aaron Donald um, at six to one on on DraftKings. Uh, Aaron Donald's four to one. Uh, I mean, Miles has got everything kind of teed up for him, right? He's he's at a sexy position. It's usually the guys that that sack the quarterback that win this award. I mean, on a random occasion, you might get a you know a shutdown corner like a Stephon Gilmore or, or Jalen Ramsey who who really have a, just kind of a standout year. But in general, it's a pass rusher award. Um, so I think. Uh, Miles is definitely uh, going to make a strong case. We'll see, hopefully, some of the uh, additions in the, in the defensive line, like a Clowney and uh, Tack McKinley, et cetera, can, can maybe take some pressure off him. Um, and he can get to the quarterback a little bit more. And obviously, you know, without the COVID issues, um, have a full season. Uh, I think he definitely is right up there. Um, at the top and you know I think with some of these awards you you see it with kind of Mahomes at at, uh, at MVP you know so these these voters might get a little bit of fatigue right voting for the same guy every year with Aaron Donald so Miles Garrett's kind of the next best you know the next big thing and if the Browns can win their division and um, obviously do what we think they can do he's right up there so I think that's definitely one that I I would take a uh, take a stab at with Miles Garrett Um, just looking at the list just for for um for interested parties, I mean, I think uh, Chase Young really, uh, you know, caught my eye just because I'm an Ohio State grad. You know, um, he had a great year last year, and I think that um, he definitely has a chance to uh, to really step up and have a monster season. I mean, he's at sixteen to one; he's uh, now the sixth highest um, uh, guy on the board. So th- those are probably outside of Miles Garrett. I think Chase Young really uh, is a guy who's ready to take that leap. Um, to the to the kind of the next level. So uh, that's a couple that uh, I think are standing out. But I think Miles clearly is right at the top, along with uh with, with Aaron Donald.
1: Well, then you got the other factory brothers, the Bosa boys that could that could obviously take those leaps to a high state. Just ridiculous defensive end talent. <laughs> They've got three this, of the top six. It's and crazy. then you know, like Jack Sawyer's coming through, and they think the Zach Harrison kid's going to be really good as he kind of steps into his own. It's it's just ridiculous. Um. Yeah, well, you mentioned MVP. I know, I know the the only play. It's typically a quarterback award. The only play is Baker, but the but it's kind of like, where are the odds on Baker? Is he worth throwing a couple bucks on, or is it like you could you could invest your money a little better in some other places with that one?
0: Yeah, and so I'll, I'll give some uh, background as well, just similar to the Coach of the Year, because it's it's a very, like you said, quarterback heavy award. Thirteen of the last fourteen. Award winners have been quarterbacks. Adrian Peterson snuck in there a handful of years ago. But eight straight winners have been quarterbacks. So you kind of narrow your your field uh, right there. Uh, none were on a team with less than 11 wins for that season. So obviously you got to be a playoff team. Um, the average preseason win total, interestingly, um, of those um, 13 quarterbacks uh, has been at least 10. So again, a team with high expectations um that has a shot to, to win double digits and uh, make the playoffs um and so you can you can probably go a little bit lower you know there there are instances like lamar jackson a couple of years ago uh, the ravens were only i think eight and a half was a win total at the time i think patrick mahomes when he wanted a few years ago was was right around eight i think cam newton when he won was in that seven to eight range but you know in general that's kind of as far down as you can go uh, so for me, I think Baker at, at 33 to one, his odds have dropped. I think he was at 40 to one a handful of weeks ago. You know, he's, he's obviously fits all those criteria, right? Um, now the issue is the Browns are such a run heavy, um, team and they rely on the run game so much Is you know, do, is he going to be able to have those attempts? Is he really going to uh, put up the, the numbers? And so you almost have, have to have them be in a lot of shootouts. And if we think the defense is going to be a lot better this year, You probably aren't going to see that as much. Um, Now, uh, you know, I think another year in the Stefanski offense, you know, he's a real sharp guy Mm -hmm. and uh, we know that the front office is a very uh, analytically based uh, thinkers. And so they know that, you know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with a run game per se. You need to really be able to throw the ball in this league. Um, And so with OBJ out there, maybe, you know, he takes a step up with uh, some of the big plays. Um, you know, we didn't have that big play potential really uh, for most of last year. So, you know, you get OBJ in there and maybe that, um, you know, increases his touchdown total and his uh, yardage total. Uh, maybe he's a little more aggressive down there. So um, I think he can he can prop up some of his numbers as well. And if the Browns are a 13, you know, if they do get the 13, 14 win type of season, You know, he's going to be right in there in the top three or four, to be honest, Um, because they're not going to win just because of the run game. They're going to win because of Baker Mayfield. So um, I don't think that's a bad I think of all the, you know, after you get through the uh, kind of the elite elite guys at the top, the Mahomes and Rodgers and Brady's of the world. It's, you know, Baker's really kind of the class of that, I think, kind of second level, in my opinion. Um, If you want one other long shot, again, this is this is purely an upside guy. Um, who kind of checks a lot of the boxes from a team perspective um, is Tua Viola uh, from the Dolphins. Uh, and he's at 60 to 1. Now, again, you're taking a major leap, and I, a lot of people took that leap with Lamar Jackson two years ago and they got rewarded. Um, some people thought that Josh Allen last year um, was, a, was a sneaky surprise guy, so this is kind of the, for me, Tua would kind of fit that. I mean, Miami, I think has done a really good job of adding offensive weapons all over the the, the wide receiver core with Will Fuller um, and Jalen Waddell. Um, I think they've got um, a really smart offensive, really smart staff in general um, in front office. And look, Tua is very talented. He had a really rough year last year, but he came in, um, you know, after that Obviously, the the hip injury uh, at Alabama um, and struggled, but, you know, with one full offseason under his belt now, you know, maybe he can take that next step. And if the Dolphins um, can win, you know, 11, 12 games, which is very possible, I think they've got a good team. You know he's a guy that kind of fits a lot of those um, checks a lot of those boxes that is really way down there in terms of the list of uh, of guys that are in odd. So if you want a long shot, that's one who I would pick. But I think Baker at thirty three to one is still still good. I wouldn't. I mean, once you start getting in the twenties, I think that's kind of a little bit uh, of a stretch. But I think at thirty three to one, um, Baker definitely fits um, a lot of the criteria, and I think he can. Uh, he's got a shot to get up there, so uh, he's definitely worth a shot. I think if uh, if Browns fans are interested.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a style of play thing, and uh, it would have to be he won't put up yardage numbers like a lot of a lot of people will. So it'd be an efficiency thing, right? It'd have to be something wild like thirty eight, thirty nine, forty touchdowns. He throws a lot of red zone touchdowns. Maybe he keeps the interceptions down around four, three. That's just the only way it can make sense for me. Got to yeah. win a lot of games, and he's got to be ridiculously efficient, kind of the way Kirk Cousins was. Uh, not this past year but the year before 2019 season so it didn't have to be better than that just just from right. an efficiency standpoint they'd have to win 13 14 games and then it still probably wouldn't be enough but if he does take this crazy step which is in the realm of possible outcomes here he could take a real step and they could put a lot more on his shoulders and and uh, we could listen to this pod at the end of this season and laugh about it so um <laughs> well we won't talk offensive rookie of the year i mean anthony schwartz is going to get some chances but not enough uh, i am interested in defensive rookie of the year another award that tends to go edge it can be some secondary playmakers but you know getting sacks is easy to quantify um you know jok and newsome i mean jok seems like a an interesting little like jeremy Chen type of pick there you know what i mean
0: yeah so um you know historically it's it's kind of crazy in the last 25 years 22 of the winners of defensive rookie of the year have been first round picks which really shocked me wow. i did not realize it was that heavily tilted to first rounders um only 3 obviously non first round picks they were all linebackers so that does you know that does give JOK a little bit of a of a shot here and and a couple of those have hit in the last handful of years Darius Leonard for example is is a most recent one um so you know the problem is Darius Leonard racked up a ton of tackles yeah so uh you know JOK would really have to either um you know start from day 1 and, and rack up a bunch of tackles or you know get some fumble recoveries you know turnovers kind of fluky plays but you know if he can get uh, a couple of turnovers maybe turn one or two into a touchdown and is you know full-time starter you know he's got a shot I probably wouldn't um, make him really high on my list just because of that but um, you know at least he has a chance um, to win based on some of those factors I mean uh, really the edge guys like you said um, typically win this award and, but it's funny it's literally it's edge rusher and it's edge rusher drafted in the first you know the top half of round one is kind of the the filter that wins a majority of these uh Mm -hmm. um these awards but the problem is is that there really wasn't an i don't think there was an edge rusher drafted in the top half i think jalen phillips was close i think he was like 18th um, yeah. So there's really, you know, there wasn't a lot of edge rushers in general drafted high this year. So it kind of opened things up. So you might get, you might sneak a surprise winner in there. So maybe JOK does have a shot um, to, to do something here in terms of defensive rookie of the year. I mean, a guy that um, if you want to, again, I like longer shots. A guy, Nick Bolton, mm-hmm. who's a second round linebacker um, drafted by the Chiefs you know, his, let's see what his odds are. Cause I did not look recently, but, uh, oh, he's at 33 to one on DraftKings. He's a guy that makes, could make some sense again, linebackers can win if you're not a first round pick. And he was a second round pick, um, out of Missouri. He's, He'll
1: rack up tackles for sure. He's yeah, a guy. E-
0: exactly. He's yep. going to rack up a ton of tackles because he's going to play on a, in the middle of the chiefs defense teams want to run against the chiefs. Yeah. Uh, they want they always want to slow down the game, right? They want to shorten the game. So they'll run a ton of times against that that defense. So he will get those those tackles. Um, you know, I'm not sure if he's gonna really do much in, in pass coverage or pick a lot of passes off or anything like that. But he's obviously playing a really good team. So that's that's one guy that at least, you know, doesn't have a ton of competition and he's going to be able to start on a really good team and rack up a bunch of tackles. So, um, you know, that could fit. There's not a lot of options. You know, this isn't a great defensive class in general from from the rookie class. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in terms of, uh, you know, rookie of the year. But, um, you know. And it's hard from a cornerback's perspective. So I you know you didn't mention Newsom, but it, unless you get a, you know seven, eight interceptions, and you can turn one or two into touchdowns, and we saw Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Peters win the award in the last ten years, the only corners to do so, you know they they did that. They they both had I think six, seven, eight uh, interceptions, and I think they had at least one or two touchdowns you know that's really hard to predict um it's it really is. a lot of pressure to do so um, i'm not sure I'd, I'd put Newsom up there or any other corner but uh those are a couple of the names that that i would i would think of in terms of uh rookie of the year but i think uh jok can wins the spot and if he could fly around and, and do well in pass coverage and get some of those uh turnovers he's got a shot
1: yeah it's it's uh the corners were the guys early right horn and sertan and it's like It's just – it's so tough to to predict those guys. If you get a corner that performs super well in year one, it's like you got a guy, man. There's just no doubt about it because it's so hard. And and you've made a great point through Twitter about Greg not having to – and the difference between him and other first-round corners. And you know he doesn't have to deal with the pressure of being a cornerback one right away. That's something Caleb Farley has to deal with and many others in this first round. And that's something that that Greg can kind of come in and maybe guard secondary targets, and that could make a little bit of a difference. But I I do think JOK is – He's the play. If you want to bet on a Browns player, he could he could like you said, some fumble luck, a strip sack, a scoop and score. Some of those things go his way, and just go, does enough good things, and nobody else pops off. None of those linebackers taken in the first round, Dave and Collins or anything like that, do anything crazy. It could just be we got to give it to somebody, and this guy in Cleveland did did did, did fairly well, so we'll throw it his way. But yeah, um, and Jeremy Chen,
0: like you mentioned, almost won it last yeah. year with a lot with a lot of those. Yeah, he had a couple scores. I think got defense. So yeah, that's that's really. That's the angle if you're going to take JOK there.
1: Well, this has been great. There's been a ton of insight here, a ton of things that if you guys are Browns fans, you can pick up on and maybe put some money on and have a year-long investment in and watching and paying attention. And some other names too that if you're not just interested in the Browns, I'll open it up to UTA. Any others that we have not mentioned here that you think is particularly spicy for Browns fans?
0: No, I mean I think I think you um, essentially hit them all. I mean, comeback player of the year it would be uh, one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. OBJ is. Uh, 25 to 1 right now on um, on DraftKings. He's way down there in the list. And, you know, look, this is probably a Dak Prescott award if he wants it, right, if he plays yeah. – you know halfway well but you know that remains to be seen how well he can play but if obj has another I mean, he's got to have an obj type season right he's yeah. got to catch you know 70 80 balls and you know 13 1400 yards and double digit touchdowns that definitely vaults him near the top so um, that's a fun one right it's always fun rooting for these flashy wide receivers to put up big numbers and so again uh, it's a, from a long shot perspective he's a guy that clearly has the name recognition um and the brand you know the brand name and the 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 power there so that that will help from a narrative perspective obviously on a good team and if he puts up the big numbers you know he definitely is going to be up there um for comeback player of the year so that that would be the other one from a browns perspective that i think um I think makes some sense um, from from a comeback player
1: of the year perspective. <laughs> he will he will definitely get enough media coverage one one way <laughs> or the other. He'll get enough of that. Check out TA stuff on sharp analysis, man. Get smarter about football and and uh, it's not just betting stuff, man. It's it's understanding trends within play calling, trends within alignments, personnel groups. That stuff that's really great. And you know you're looking to become a fully comprehensive fan of understanding tape and. Uh, the nuances of what players are doing on the field, you got to know the data that's driving those decisions. So that's why he's a great follow, and I appreciate you taking time for us, man.
0: Jake, I appreciate it.
1: And that is a wrap for today's episode. A thank you to TA for coming on the pod, talking gambling odds with us. I think that can make a Brown season interesting and more fun. If you put a little money on some of those guys, maybe JOK, maybe Miles – Gives you a nice little rooting interest. And I think that 10 and a half line there is interesting. So I would also be remiss if I did not mention the Wyatt Teller piece that we have up on the OBR analytics site again. He is uh, an interesting prospect for a contract extension. And our Cody Sweck lays it out beautifully for you to see his value and what a possible contract could look like. We will be back tomorrow to talk about more data. Had a conversation on Twitter Thursday. So I wanted to bring on some guys talking about early down passing. And where the Browns hope to get to and what the NFL looks like with that, maybe in future years. So, uh, you know, we enjoy uh, you guys checking things out. The listens are still great, even in these tough months. So I appreciate you guys joining and listening. Thank you to our guests this week. We had guests from Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. So if you want to learn about those teams going into 2021, the division rivals check it out tons of great info long podcast looking at where the teams are the position by position analysis expectations all of it Uh, really enjoyed those so thanks to those guys again for joining thanks again to cleave ta for joining today and to you guys for listening and uh, check us out tomorrow for a sunday bonus edition as well thanks again guys have a great weekend and go browns